0: Hey everyone, so I did just want to give a couple of updates. Um, This episode was recorded a bit in advance, so there's a couple of things that have come up since uh, that has been done. Um, As you'll hear in the kind of intro that I've recorded previously, this is the Marie Antoinette episode that has long been promised to you. I recorded with my mother as part of the mother-daughter series that we did together. Um, So I'm really excited to get that out to you now, the first episodes of 2020. But before that, I just did want to let you guys know about a couple of things that have come up. So firstly, I've had a couple of questions basically since the podcast started, about if I was going to be doing merchandise. And at the time, it kind of seemed overwhelming to even consider. Um, But I can say now that I have finally kind of dipped my toe into the pond of merchandise for podcasts. Um, so you can find the first couple of designs on a website called TeePublic. Uh, that's t e e public slash user slash happy hour history podcast. Um, if you just search TeePublic and then Happy Hour History Podcast, uh, I'm sure that that'll pop up fine, and you'll see my logo and everything. Um, There's a couple of designs there, including the logo, um, but there are also a couple of specifically Marie Antoinette things, and I am hoping in the future to be able to um, not only keep doing things for the new people that we talk about, but also to start kind of working backwards and to put up um, some artwork and some merchandise for some of the past people that you've talked about, because I think a lot of them probably deserve Um, a t-shirt design or something. Um, I will say that you can get loads and loads of things with these designs on them. You can get t-shirts, you can get, um, you can get like mugs and stickers and pins and magnets. They do really weird things. I think you can get like tapestries. I don't even think anybody would want a tapestry with my logo on it. Uh, But you can get loads of things. So it's worth kind of looking around and seeing if there's something that would interest you. Um, I will also say that if you think that this is like a get-rich-quick scheme, um, Public, I believe, actually takes like the majority of the money you spend. So unfortunately, I don't set the prices. It's all done by this company. Um, but unfortunately, they just make it um, kind of easy enough that it's worth that for me. So I don't have to do any of the actual production of these um, items and i don't have to send them out to you so this company does do that all for me i just have to create the designs um so if you if you're thinking like she does not deserve twenty dollars or thirteen dollars or whatever the product is worth um don't worry most of it's not actually going to me anyhow but i'm just kind of thrilled that anybody is interested in merchandise i kind of can't believe that i've received questions about this but i did want to get stuff out there for you in future, I don't know if, you know, it will be smart for me to start looking other places. So I'm not certain that T Public is where I'll be forever. Um, but it kind of seemed like the best place for me to start and to... Uh, begin this process of doing merchandise and then potentially in future we'll find a better way that is more suited to all of us but uh, for now this is going to work so if you do buy anything um, please send me a photo I am sort of in awe that anyone would want merchandise from this show and it kind of really um, makes me feel so amazing that anyone has asked so I'm really really lucky to have Um, some amazing people listening to this show, and I would love to see if you do purchase anything. Um, So feel free to send me any photos, maybe I'll tweet about it or something, so it'll be really exciting. And then just before we start, um, just to remind everyone again that you can also join Patreon if you're interested. The patrons do sometimes get um, bonus content, longer episodes, Um, they sometimes get like episodes that are just for them. So you can join the Patreon by going to patreon.com slash happyhourhistorypod. You can join for as low as a dollar a month and that gets you um, access to the bonus episodes and such. So if it's something you're thinking might be worth it for you, um, feel free to have a look at that website and see what that all entails. Um, As per usual, I have to thank Alexander, who's at my uh, explorer and warrior level. He donates $3 a month, and so he gets a, a shout out in this podcast. So thank you for that. Uh, With that said, um, I will not be asking for any more money. Uh, Let me get right into the episode because I'm really excited uh, to finally be sharing with you guys the Marie Antoinette stuff. Uh, It's taken a bit longer than I anticipated, but uh, for for the first episode of 2020, I hope you all enjoy. If you didn't listen to the first two episodes of this series, um, on these mother-daughter kind of historical figures, uh, you'll want to start with, uh, Maria Theresa, but today, Mom is back. Hello. And we are doing, uh, Marie Antoinette, which she guessed at the end of the last episode, which was good.
1: I will say it was just purely a guess, coincidental, that I nailed it. Nice. Well, at least you knew that there is somebody named Marie Antoinette in the, the world. The funny thing is, is when we kind of broke... I was going to Google it, and then I completely forgot. You weren't supposed Well, that's good, because you weren't supposed to. Anywho.
0: um, As usual, um, there's going to be like a language and content warning. Probably less of a language warning this time, because I don't swear to my mom, because that's weird. How do you do that? Looking directly into her big eyes, being like, how could I say the swears? I give you permission. No, stop that. I don't like it. Okay. Anywho. um, But she can swear as much as she wants. She can swear for two um and so there's language and content warning um and if you don't know how this episode ends well not this episode there'll be two part definitely uh but if you don't know how this life ends her story you're not gonna be uh so happy in the end so maybe just keep that in mind it's not really a a story that you know uplifts the spirit or anything unless you really hate the monarchy then maybe this is your story Anywho, uh, we are going to start now, so roll the intro music. boob today we are doing uh marie antoinette or maria antonia and we covered kind of a little bit on her in the last episode just in the sense that like she was alive but it was mostly her mother so um that'll give you a lot of background on the like in the court that she grew up in but early life so uh marie antoinette was born on the second of november 1755 um, and th- she's the 15th child, like we said. So she has one brother after her, but otherwise she's second to last.
1: She's like a man on the totem pole.
0: And if you know anything about the Duggers, who I still hate from last episode, um, the second to last of their children, I believe is Jordan. And I say, I believe, because I don't even think they know that she's a lot second to last. She's the most forgotten because the baby's always the baby. But when you have that many kids, nobody cares about second to last. I
1: think anybody except maybe the first two. Well, I'm thinking like the first two and the last two are probably the ones. The ones in the middle, just get. Mm,
0: I think like the first like five or six, they still knew those kids. And then you get everybody else and
1: you're like, who? And then you get the last one and you're like, oh, it's the last baby. There's no more babies. Especially when you know it's the last one. I don't think they knew the last one was the last one. They because probably I'm knew that. Because I'm pretty eventually. sure they had a... Stillbirths. oh oh the
0: Duggars yeah yeah they did. so they I met Maria Teresa and I was like I don't know
1: well I don't know much about her I was supposed to learn a whole bunch last time but you didn't it's not that I didn't but did she have any stillbirths she had 16 kids
0: she had some who died like she had some who yeah were born dead or like were born pretty much
1: yeah because I know that she, that she, out of sixteen, she raised ten to adulthood, which I think is pretty commend, commendable. Yeah. But I'm assuming six died when they were some point of beyond or under adulthood.
0: Yeah. So some point but from literal she have, baby she have,
1: to did she actually have stillborns? Yeah.
0: But I don't think I, they didn't count miscarriages. I don't think, which is different from which stillborns. makes you
1: wonder how many times she was pregnant.
0: <laughs> I don't want to know.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: Um. Okay. But yeah. So she's the 15th, Uh, she's born Maria Antonia Josepha Johanna, and she
1: is a Scorpio, like me. Well, I knew as soon as you said November 2nd.
0: So we're both Scorpio babies. Gonna mess some stuff up. Mess all that stuff up.
1: It's okay, you're allowed to.
0: Yeah. Bad people. Bad girls do well, I say, as I'm the least bad of the bad girls. I was gonna (laughs) say, are you bad? I'm super lame. Here I am, doing a history podcast. probably not well in fairness neither was she which is one of the first myths we must dispel uh we'll get into that later but she gets her she gets a reputation for being like a party girl and like very assertive and kind of domineering and she's not um but uh the next year after her birth um that's when her mother gets austria involved in the seven years war um so the french and indian war all of that she's one when it all starts um, so that's quite a world to grow up in and then of course it lasts until she's, you know, eight ish because it's a seven year war.
1: Which would make sense. Basic math.
0: <laughs> We're getting good at this guys. <laughs> um, and then when she's growing up, obviously she's got her many older siblings. Um and several of those siblings, like we said, will pass away. Um her mother then, as we discussed in the last episode, would sort of arrange marriages and then when a kid died, you would just like bump the next kid up. In the pecking order.
1: But didn't most of them do that?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's how she ended up married to her own husband. So, that's how so, Maria... Uh, that's how Maria... An- that did it. Maria Antonia slash Morgan's one I need to pick one. Um, that's how uh, Maria Antonia, uh, her parents actually got together, which we discussed. Um, but, I mean, we even said that, like, they reuse names. So, they're very kind of expendable in this.
1: You just... I mean... Like the name you use,
0: you it. Lo- you, yeah. You lose one, you just bump the next one up. Name wise, marriage wise, all the ways. Um, she was um, so her mother was obviously quite set on who her favorites were, which we also discussed. And as a result, a lot of the children weren't particularly close. Um, so Maria Antonia didn't really have strong relationships with most of the older sisters, um, like the like the first like five or six kids. Um, especially Maria Christina, who was the favorite. Um, a lot of the siblings didn't particularly like her. She was more kind of masculine almost like her mother. And I think that's maybe partially why Maria Teresa liked her so much. Um, but she was, Maria Christina was the favorite. And then Maria Antonia was much softer than a lot of her siblings. Um, so she was kind of very like kind and sweet and she um, didn't get along so much because there was another sister, Maria Amalia. She uh, was older still. Of course, they all were because she's the youngest daughter, Um, but she had a similar, much more similar temperament, I suppose, um, to Marie Antoinette, but um, she was so hung up on not being the favorite daughter that that kind of, like, took over her life for oh, so she
1: wanted to be the
0: favorite? For Maria Amalia. Um, and so that's why Maria Antonia wasn't that close with that sister, because even though they were similar in kind of... You would think they would be... But the one was just so caught up in the fact that she wasn't the favorite daughter that, like, took over her whole life. Um, so they didn't end up being that close.
1: Don't parents know they're not supposed to pick a favorite?
0: Uh, everyone does, though. I don't. That's a lie. I don't. Um, so uh, she had... Um, Her sister, Maria Carolina, or sometimes people say Maria Charlotte. It just depends on, like, which court she was in at the time because they're both forms of Charles, and that's how she got the name. She's the last. She's the third of the Maria Carolinas, uh, the one who actually lives. Gotcha. Um, So that's her sister closest in age to her, and they have a three-year age gap, but they were basically treated as twins, so they grew up being very, very close. Um, And this is sort of because... Since they were so young, in terms of like the, all the children, um, the, the court basically didn't pay any attention to them because they were like, by the time you get to those kids down at the bottom, no one cares. Um, and so they were had they had kind of much more freedom, and they weren't watched as closely.
1: Um, I mean, I guess that's good in their youth to be able to do stuff and not be
0: yeah. So they weren't kind
1: of sort of you know
0: they weren't so heavily scrutinized, I guess, and um, they were allowed to be a little bit, you know. They were, we're all children, they kids. yeah. Um, so when they would like when one of them would get sick, um, the other would get sick too, and they would spend time convalescing together and stuff. So like they were together pretty much all the time. Um, Carolina was more outgoing than Antonia, um, and uh, Antonia was a bit more dependent on her older sister, which makes sense because older and younger. Um, the empress, um, even though she loved Christina the best, she thought that that Carolina was quite similar to her and like enjoyed her spirit, although eventually she would try to slightly crush it a little bit to fit into the box of what she needed her to be. But she liked Carolina's spirit, um, and of course, Antonia was much less spirited than Carolina. Um, although, supposedly, though they looked similar, Antonia was slightly prettier than her older sister. Um, but they grew up really close, so I don't think they were too bothered about that at the time. Um, she wasn't given a particularly exceptional education because, like I said, no one really cared about the kids at the bottom. Um, she wasn't I that
1: comes back to biter, you said.
0: Yeah, so she wasn't. Well, this is something that I'll kind of talk about throughout this part of her life anyway, but she never really grows to be a particularly good reader or writer. Um, but she was a great musician, which is something that a lot of people kind of overlook. She played the harp very well. Um, she could supposedly sight read music at a professional level, um, so she was really just like she had the ear for it and the talent for it. She was also a skilled dancer, which is quite important when you are like part of a court because dancing is um, yes such a important way of like meeting people and and showing off like status and stuff. Um, so she's really good at the arts, kind of, and not so good at the you book know, stuff. The, yeah, the book learning. <laughs> um, and then in 1762. When she's six years old, um, a six-year-old, uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, uh, comes to their palace with his own family, and he's a prodigy, um, even at six, and so he plays for her family. Um, and
1: Did they ever play together?
0: So they, I, as far as we know, they didn't play together, or at least as far as I know, they didn't play together um
1: missed opportunity
0: she was about three months older than him so they were born very close uh, close in age and um there's a story that um after this performance he said that one day he would marry her which is adorable because six-year-olds do say stupid stuff like that but it's cute um, and it's, they're
1: both musicians that yeah would have been a good
0: it's i mean obviously it never would have happened um because she had to marry into an important family um, so it was impossible, but it was probably, if, if it happened at all, they were probably like, oh, that's cute, and not like, oh, chop off that kid's head. Because um, they, <laughs> they,
1: hope not. they yeah. realized
0: that he's six. Um, <laughs> so the story is, you know, there's a good chance it never happened, and it's something that maybe they added in later. I mean, he did play for her and her family.
1: I now have something that I want you to research. Yes. I want you to research the youngest person that ever got their head chopped off.
0: Will do. Because, I mean, you
1: know, six is too young, but what isn't?
0: Top it? off that boy's head. But well, what is it You can't young? marry a princess, you dummy. <laughs> do you know who you are?
1: <laughs> know your status. Your status.
0: You're the one who's playing the instruments for them because you're a peasant. <laughs> um, yeah, so probably a fake story, but it's cute. And if it happened, that would be cool. Um, so the Habsburg, like quote-unquote motto at this time um, is basically they said others have to wage war to succeed but you fortunate Habsburg marry. So like we said last time uh, Maria Theresa knows that um, all of her children are pawns in a very large marriage game.
1: She has so many she can marry them all the way across Europe let's yeah be honest
0: and in doing so like I said she kind of creates this placement for herself as like the mother-in-law of Europe and she can she can just pull all the strings
1: which if you think about it is really really kick-ass way to do it yeah I mean let's be honest but the
0: thing is I think the sad thing in that way is is that then these children are sort of being raised almost as diplomats as not and not as children
1: but back in that time weren't royalty always raised that way it was all about your match
0: yeah, but a lot of a lot of queens don't actually do anything. That's the thing I, I think is like a lot and of she
1: took the bull by the horns. And, and
0: she she was one of those people that was like, You better be advancing our agenda. Okay. And sometimes you can't. And that's gonna come back and be a problem later for Marie Antoinette. Um, but we'll get to that later. Spoilers. Um, so in seventeen sixty five, um, this is sort of going off of things that we talked about in the last episode but in 1765 her parents um leave to go to visit uh to celebrate the wedding of her brother leopold okay and before leaving um and getting in the carriage her father hugs her and then he goes to leave and he decides to come back and he kind of uh, supposedly hugs her like over and over again and at this point she's only about 10 9 or 10 years old um and so he, like, just keeps hugging her and doesn't want to let her go. And um, it's on this trip that he dies. Um, I told you that he probably had yeah, a stroke. And that's the thing is that 25 years later, she would still recall this event, this this kind of last time seeing her father. And she said that she thought that he knew of the great sadness that she would face. Um, and she didn't even know what would happen at the very end. So she didn't know the greatest sadness of all.
1: She was blonde, and it's probably for the best.
0: Um, but, yeah, so she thought that her father... It's weird, though, that she doesn't seem to think that her father knew that he would be facing a great sadness, as in he would be dying soon, and rather that she thought that he knew that she would have a bad life.
1: It's kind of a shame knowing you're going to have a bad life or thinking you're going to have one. Like, it doesn't give you a whole bunch to hope for. She does not
0: have a very happy life. Um, but, um, after her father dies, um... Obviously, we know that her mother goes into mourning and she wears black for the rest of her life and cuts her hair. It becomes even more of a raging biznitch. You say the word. Bitch. There you go. She becomes a bench. (laughs) Um, I got my mother watching The Good Place. If you're not watching The Good Place, you should be. Um, So she becomes a raging bench, and she's like super matronly at this point. Um, And so it's uh, at this kind of time of her mother transitioning into like widowhood and in grief that her sister maria christina uses the opportunity to be like hey mom so i love this guy and he's not super noble and her mom's like we are the favorite so that's fine so her sister maria christina like i said last time gets to have um a love match and she's the only daughter to have this opportunity um And her mother actually sets them up with, like, a decent household and, like, gives them money, and she actually gets to stay in Austria with her mother, which on the one hand, I'm like, sort of that sounds like torture because her mother doesn't sound like the greatest person to be around for the rest of your life, but also the idea that all of the other marriageable sisters had to leave Austria and, like, never see it again, or, like, see it very rarely, um, so she at least gets, like, stay in her homeland and stuff, which is cool.
1: But since she's the favorite, her mother probably wasn't all up in her business. Not to yeah. mention, if she married someone that wasn't really noble. And she's not... Really, she wasn't getting out of... The mother wasn't going to get anything out of it. Yeah, anyway. so they're just, like, friends. So it's just kind of like, you know... They just actually
0: like each other as human beings. And she's not, like, using her as a tool.
1: Yeah, because she's not really going to get anything. Yeah,
0: so Maria Christina gets her love match. And this also, of course, means that um, she's, she's, off she's off the market.
1: Also, I can imagine that her sisters hate her. Yes,
0: um, and now the empress has all these marriage schemes that she wants to achieve, and she only has um, at this point like five remaining subpar daughters compared to the one that she really likes. Um, you know, how
1: you, hey, you're just subpar.
0: You're like all right.
1: Just a little bit all right. You're you're, really- you're
0: fine, but you're not. You're no Maria Christina. So oh, I'm
1: saying. That's
0: not good. And so in 1767, two years after her father passed away, smallpox hits the family. And this kills, um, I believe, like two of her sisters and also a Um, sister-in-law. This is also when her prettiest sister, um, Elizabeth, gets scarred to the point that like she
1: will never marry. Nobody wants her now.
0: Yeah, she's the ugliest. She went from being like the prettiest to like ugly scarface.
1: That's kind of a shame.
0: Ugly scar face. What happens with
1: her? Convent?
0: No, she just like stays unmarried and gets bitter and sad. I don't if she goes to a convent, I didn't note that down. Okay. So it's her it's the first sister with that spinal injury that goes to a convent that I'm certain of.
1: But, but um, after the mom's death.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um so yeah, so Maria gets scarred, two of the sisters die, a sister-in-law dies. Um, it's actually funny. One of the sisters was getting ready to go get married. Um, like like literally bags are packed, carriages like horsed up and they're ready to go. And um, her mother wants her to go pray down like in front of the Virgin Mary or whatever. And I guess someone had recently passed away in the family and they hadn't been like properly sealed in the coffin. Okay. So that, like germs were still escaping and apparently like supposedly that's how the sister catches smallpox and then so dies. She wouldn't have
1: got them if her mom hadn't sent her. Okay, right. so that's
0: the thing. Suppose that supposedly that's the story and her mom it like f- like feels that for the rest of her life that it's her fault. But actually, I mean the family was already like, you know, it had already been in the family. And nah, so, let her feel some guilt, so yeah, <laughs> but also probably it was it was around, and then they would have all been um like susceptible to catching it, so it might not have actually been that particular thing, but she was literally ready to get in the carriage and go get married, and then now the husband to be needs a new bride um next, so they end up do they do end up looking for another sister, and so of course she's losing of the five. Marriageable daughters that are left. She's killed a couple. One scarface.
1: She don't have any left. So
0: she's running out of kids. Um, so Bet you, she's writing um, the
1: love match. Yes,
0: probably. Um, luckily, Antonia. Um, had actually caught a mild form of um, smallpox when she was a baby, and it didn't really scar her or anything. And obviously, she lived through it, so she actually wasn't really susceptible to catching the disease, which is good because as it's ravaging her, the rest of her family, she's like just there, kind of awkwardly smiling with a Been thumbs there, done up. That. <laughs> uh-huh, I've done that already. Um, and so, Maria uh, Teresa. I can't just say Maria. I keep forgetting. Uh, she, she wanted the, the second youngest daughter, Carolina, uh, to marry the heir to France actually. When they, when they realized that, um, the heir to France, the future Louis the 16th is like definitely looking for his bride now and stuff. I mean, he's young, but, um, she wants it to be Carolina. The one who I said was sort of like her in temperament and was kind of feistier. Um, and she thought that that would be a good match But the thing is, is that um, because of the death that happened earlier and that that other groom who needed a bride, things had to be shuffled around. And she had another daughter. I think it was Amalia, who was a little bit older. And she was like, you could have Amalia. And this guy's like, I don't really care which of your daughters it is, but I'd like it to be a younger one. Which is sort of creepy because they were like teenagers.
1: Yeah, a little creepy. Amalia
0: was older. Um, she would have probably been in her, like, early 20s. Which um, you would
1: think would be a more marriageable age.
0: But everybody wanted those teens back then. More more baby-bearing years.
1: Or more pedophiles. Yeah. <laughs> Take it how you want. Yeah,
0: be... everybody back then just was into the teens. It was pretty icky.
1: I mean, you know
0: um but yeah so he's like honestly i didn't love any like it's like i loved the first bride so her death means literally nothing to me but you're not gonna pawn off some older daughter on me who has
1: yes who, who who's growing to the point where she's not going to be able to have and she
0: seems you. bitter anyway she knew she wasn't the favorite do you think i want to put up with that for the rest of my life her mommy issue her raging mother issues uh so yeah so it ends up being that things have to get shifted around, and Carolina ends up marrying that guy.
1: You gotta wonder if they were happy.
0: I don't know. I'd have to look into it. It's an interesting question, though. Um,
1: but it was it kind of
0: sucked because Carolina was like already the goddaughter of the current French king, and it, like it would have probably been a decent match. Um, but whatever. Well, actually, no. The match itself would have been terrible because the heir to France is not a great match, which we'll get into in a second. But it would have worked from like a like, a France and Austria perspective. It just wouldn't have been a love connection between the two real people. Um, So at this point, Maria Trace is looking at what she has left, which is, you know, the 15th child. She's like, wow, I'm not really impressed with what I'm seeing. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot happening here, and almost none of it's good. Um, And that is because at this point, she's in her, like, early well, she's not. I was going to say early teens, but she's really more like a 12-year-old. Um, and she has some education, which I said she can speak um, a few different languages. In um, in Vienna, actually, they speak kind of a weird combination of German and French because technically French at this point is like the court language. Um, and so it's seen as better to speak that in any European court than your own oh, domestic that's interesting. language. I didn't know that. Yes, so that's, that's um, kind of, it just seems like classier, I guess. Um, But she doesn't speak it, like, none of them are speaking it really, like, kind of correctly. There's, it's like Spanglish, almost.
1: Yeah, they put their own. Um,
0: So there's a lot of German in that French, and so it's not really French at all. Um, And they speak that, and so her actual French isn't particularly good. Um, She speaks Italian, but that's not really that helpful, um, so she can speak some language passably, but she's more or less illiterate. So she can't really read or write, which seems funny until you realize that this illiterate child is going to be the queen of France one day. You're like, that's actually not that funny. <laughs> no one's preparing this girl for what she needs to be prepared for. Um, during her education, obviously she'd grown up um, having like the same governess as Carolina, Um, But eventually they had to be split up because her mother saw like the antics that they got up to And basically she got mad at Carolina and was like you need to grow up Apparently she didn't think that Antonia needed to grow up She's like whatever you're the 15th kid no one's caring
1: Um, Well also I mean if they're three years apart When she had to grow up maybe she was actually still a child
0: Yeah so she she splits them up um, And Antonia was given a new governess Her name was Countess Brandis. And um, she comes to love the countess as like a mother figure because obviously her mother, actual mother figure, is not that great.
1: Was it if she was nicer because her mother's kind of a bitch? Well, that's the
0: thing. Is so Countess Brandis is very nice. It seems like by all accounts. Um, Unfortunately, for somebody who's acting as a governess, she's not very bright. She didn't educate her very well, um, despite having this one-on-one kind of tutelage. Uh, she doesn't get a very good education. Um, and like I said, um, Antonia was really well-liked and she was quite nice. Um, and so she tended to be spoiled by Brandis. Um And unfortunately, because she also wasn't particularly bright herself, or at least she didn't apply herself that much. Um, and then her mother would be looking for like progress reports almost. Um, the Countess would actually like write out her assignments for her and then maria antonia could just like trace them Oh, um, okay. or or sometimes even she would write it herself and just like make it look like child handwriting and like a few like ink blots and you know kid it up a bit wow and so she would help her cheat because they were so af- i mean everyone was so afraid of the empress
1: yeah i can imagine that she doesn't seem very that good. when
0: you realize that you're spoiling this kid who you think is like really cute and sort of is like a daughter figure to you but also, that means she's not getting educated. And then her mother turns up and she's like, Hey, so what's my kid been learning?
1: So, at least the mom was looking in on it. She just didn't. Every now and then
0: she drops in and she's like, Report card.
1: Yeah, she should have fired that governess. Yeah,
0: well, it was.
1: Hindsight and all.
0: Um. And then eventually it becomes kind of more or less decided that she probably will marry Louis in France. Um, and so before Fr- the, the French really want to commit to this, though, um, they want a portrait of her. And they want, like, to have somebody sent in to, like, see if she's marriageable. And so, um, unfortunately... is <laughs> a <never>
1: written test. <laughs>
0: um, might as well have been. So she was, um, she was seen as quite pretty at the time. Um, but she apparently had, like, jacked teeth, and so they gave her, like, the 1700s equivalent of braces, which seemed horrible. I was
1: gonna say, what would that I be, exactly?
0: Um, sort of like a palate expander, almost. Um, and...
1: I need a visual.
0: You know, like, when you had to turn that key at the top of the braces, and it would, like... Sh- yeah. Well, apparently they fixed her mouth in three months, so you have to imagine it was painful three months is not a long time for any sort of braces contraption to fix your mouth.
1: No it isn't.
0: So I wouldn't recommend that. Um I'm just I am
1: interested though. Um not gonna lie.
0: Yeah, so they gave her braces. Um they she apparently had like a weird hairline, which is like she had pretty hair and a pretty face, but she had a weird hairline. So they apparently they brought in like hairstylists to come in and do her hair real nice and then they i'm
1: assuming to cover the hair because what else would you do yeah i guess
0: like fix it all up hats. um and then they had like a portrait painted of her and that apparently that took a while because they wanted it to be like just right and then they also were like worried about her education being so lacking so they actually brought in um actors to teach her french which seems sort of smart because they, you know, they talk all day. Like, it's their job to know how to speak.
1: Yes, and they can carry on a conversation.
0: And also they should, they should know how to, like, kind of teach that back to someone. So they hired two actors, two French actors, to teach her how to speak French. Did it work? Um, well, she got better, but the thing is, is that when France found out that they had hired actors to do this, they weren't happy. So they ended up getting rid of the actors, and they brought in, like, a churchman guy. And then Churchman Guy continued teaching her French, and within about a year, I think, she was um, actually pretty good at it. She was, she was more or less, like, she could get by, and I guess they'd been able, because like I said, since she'd been sort of speaking, like, the Spanglish of, like, French and German, um, she used a lot of, like, um, like the way you phrase things. Like, the words might be French, but the phrasing would be German, and they were able to sort of get rid of that as much as possible. <laughs> Um, and, um, she was also given a tutor for history, and she ended up actually enjoying some of the history that she learned, that was good.
1: So she did learn some things.
0: So, yeah, so she was basically given, like, the crash course on her entire education, because the rest of the time she was cheating. (laughs) Um, and her tutor noted that she was prone to distraction, um, but that she was also kind and sweet, and so... He did end up giving her a little check of approval. He was like, yeah, I mean, she's not, like, perfect, but she's cute, and she's kind and sweet, and she's, like, 12, so you got room to make this girl improve.
1: I'm still amazed with the age. She's
0: young. Now, um, if we get into her future husband, Louis the Dauphin of France, he was um, – so if she was stunted, like, educationally and in some ways – um, emotionally by her, like, absentee mother. Uh, he was also stunted, but in other ways. Um, so, <laughs> so his great-grandfather, I believe, if I'm thinking correctly, generationally, would have been Louis Fourteenth, who's the one that founds Versailles. Um, if he's not the great-grandfather, excuse me, it might be one more generation removed. I can't remember. Um, his grandfather definitely, though, is Louis XV, um, who's the current king. His father is another Louis. That's confusing. Um, but this Louis will die before his father, Louis XV. So he'll never inherit, if okay. that makes sense. And then his son. So it jumps from grandfather to son. The The father, the father Louis, in between, yeah. So dad Louis is going to die. It hasn't... Well, it happens the same year, actually, that her father dies, which is, you know...
1: Coincidental, yeah. It's like
0: it's soup. I guess it's more like, hey, your dad's dead. My dad's dead too. So many relatable things. Experience. (laughs) Yeah, so relatable.
1: The the dead papa club.
0: Um, but yeah. So it's his grandfather Louis the fifteenth that's on the throne. His father Louis, um, who will never be king, and then him Louis. And so he was actually born as the third son of his father and mother. Um, he had two older brothers, and they would both die. Um, one died when he was, like, a baby. I think that was the second son. And then the first son died somewhere around, like, age seven, I believe. And, um... The, the same day that his older brother died, he was forced to move into that brother's rooms in the palace um, because, like, the court of Versailles had very kind of strict rules on, like, etiquette and how things worked. And so his brother was no longer the next in line to the throne uh, because he was dead. So he that
1: kind of hampered uh, puts a little dampening on that.
0: Yeah. So he steps into that role. That means that's his room. He needs to be living in it immediately. But you have to imagine that, like as a young child, that probably messes you up because you're like, first of all, your brother's dead, so you're never going to see that kid again.
1: So you're grieving. And but second, now you're living his life. Now you
0: got to live in his. Yeah, you got to live in his room and live his life. Um, but the other thing is, is that. Um, it, so that was traumatizing. And then his mother was devastated by his brother's death and, like, never really, like, fully moved on from that. And he had a tutor who thought that it was appropriate to always remind him that he was inferior and that the role wasn't meant to be his.
1: My God, they're giving these children complexes. Yeah. They're they're, you know, if they were therapists back then, they would have made bank.
0: So much money.
1: Seriously, they all need
0: therapy. I feel like the therapy is just the church back then. You go to, like, confession, you're like, Father, I got feelings. And then the father's like, yeah, say some Hail Marys.
1: I was going to say, how much therapy is that, though?
0: I mean, you could go to the, you could go to the Pope. Okay, if you're a royal, uh, you could go to the Pope for marriage counseling, but his marriage counseling would basically be like, hey, you're the wife. Be submissive. Like, come on, girl, get it. You know how this goes. Yeah, no. You know what I'm going to no, say? I'm Mr. Pope, God said women are submissive, but you could go for marriage counseling. Sometimes he would even let you get your marriage annulled then, if you could prove that you were within, like, seven generations of being family.
1: Oh, and they had that big curvy tree.
0: Everyone was seven (laughs) generations. Literally everyone all the time. Um... But, yeah, so he's super traumatized. His tutor thinks it's cool to be like, hey, remember how your brother w- was supposed to be the next in line of the throne and then he died and now you have to be it? Well, no one wanted that.
1: And you know what? He was better than you.
0: So he grew up really, really messed up. Um, it was apparently his tutor thought that this would help him spiritually. Like, maybe, like, keep the kid humble or something. I don't know what the thought process was. But in tet- in- instead... It just made him terribly self-conscious all the time.
1: It's like to be a fly on the wall.
0: (laughs) And uh, so he's so self-conscious about everything he does. And that's not actually a great quality to have if you're meant to be, like, a king one day. Like, he couldn't...
1: Which I can imagine.
0: He he just didn't really function quite right. I mean, supposedly his favorite things were hunting and, um, like, playing with locks. Locks, locks. He just didn't. He was like, how do you, how do they work? I don't understand it. Locks are so cool. Like keys and
1: locks. I think yeah.
0: I think he like hmm, interesting. just he was like a fix it boy, but he was also meant to be king one day. So they're like, yeah, that's not actually something you can keep doing forever. Um, and he was also that's an
1: skill to have. I would yeah,
0: say. he was also considered to be kind of ugly by the standards at the time. He was a rotund child.
1: Oh, what's
0: that for? Um and so no like, no one was really very nice to him.
1: Oh now I feel bad for him.
0: I do too, honestly. He's one of those figures, like there's a lot of figures in history that you look at them and you're like, if he just hadn't been king He would have just been a nice, normal person.
1: He probably would have had a good life or even a better life. Yeah,
0: because a lot of these people do not want to be king. And it's like, yeah, but you have to be king. You see how your brother died and your other brother also died. So now we're all stuck with you. Well, guess what? Now you got to step up and do it because none of us want this any more than you do.
1: Yeah, that sucks. It's a good thing I'm not royalty. He
0: was like, yeah, but I just want the locks.
1: (laughs) I was... (laughs) That's something you hear often. Just give me a little lock. I'm just here for the walk.
0: <laughs> Um But he was quite studious. He loved history and literature, which is funny because his future wife doesn't really...
1: I was going to say, she can't read. But she it's... had a crash course on history.
0: But it's fine. It's but This marriage is going to go swimmingly. I can imagine. Um, so... Uh, Maria Teresa, when she's talking to her daughter on like in the year that she gets married, um, she says, "If one is to consider only the greatness of your position, you are the happiest of your sisters and all princesses." So obviously, being like the girl who's gonna marry the heir to France is the best position. Because everyone wants to be France. Like, you know how every court... But is it court-
1: true? Does everyone want to be France? Yes. You know okay. how,
0: like, all the courts are speaking French instead of their own languages? Yes. Ev- like, France is the height of it all. Everyone wants to be France. Okay. Um, okay. And enough. so, And so she's like, even though you're my dumb, illiterate little child, who doesn't... <laughs> who-, who I neglected for most of her childhood, and so she never learned how to do anything. Well, now you get to be the cream of the crop, <laughs>
1: With your fat
0: little prince. <laughs> <laughs> he loves his locks. His um,
1: locks.
0: So, yeah, so she's 14, and they're finally like, yeah, so this marriage is going to go forward.
1: I have a question. Yeah. She's 14. How old is he?
0: Um, I believe he's, like, about a year older than her, so oh, 14 15. I mean. Okay, okay. Um, and so to get married, um, before she can move into France, they have to have a proxy wedding, Because she needs to travel with her new title. She needs to travel basically, like, as a married woman. But he's not going to come to Vienna. So they have a proxy wedding. Okay. Which means that they basically throw, in Vienna, they throw an entire lavish wedding ceremony. They've got, like, you know, thousands of people showing up, like... Like all the people of like the society in Vienna come to this wedding and it's in a big church and they have the reception afterwards. The huge like multi-course meal for everyone and the dancing and the music. So like an actual legitimate wedding because it's the only one they'll get to throw for her. They obviously won't go. The whole court won't go to like Versailles or anything. Um, So they don't do it by halves, but he's not there. So there's a stand-in as the groom. But the stand-in is her brother, Ferdinand.
1: Yeah, that's a little awkward. And they, you
0: know, like, they swear, like, in front... Like, he's pretending, basically, he's, like, acting as him. Um, But, like, in front of a priest and everything. And then they have to, like, sit together at the dinner... (laughs)
1: Hopefully, there's no consummation. Well, then,
0: okay, so I actually didn't look into this too much because honestly, I didn't really want to know. Um, but at some proxy weddings, they would do like the bedding ceremony. But for a proxy wedding, that just meant they would lay the two people in bed and then they would ceremoniously cross ankles. So I don't know if they did the ankle crossing okay, thing that's in this not too, wedding.
1: Too no, it basically
0: is like the crossing of the ankles because you know, ankles are scandalous. So the crossing of the ankles was the sex.
1: I'd like to see my ankles again. <laughs> I can see them. They all swollen.
0: <laughs> um, but so... Um, so yeah, so her brother acts as the proxy for her husband. And the funniest thing about this is that this wasn't his first sister proxy marriage. He also did it for one of his other sisters um so he was like a he was like a pro by that point he was I was like, say he's like i'm great in just... this role I mean, by the that's time what he was
1: meant to be in life by the
0: time he got for real married i mean i didn't look into this brother so i have no idea what his life was like after this but if he got for real married he was like i know what i'm doing no one needs to tell me there's no rehearsal except ever. when it
1: comes to the consummation part then, then he's, he's completely lost.
0: unless he was like a lady killer before his marriage then he knows anyway
1: i'm gonna
0: go with now some of them were some of them were scandalous I don't know though. I did I did not. There's too many siblings. Huh. Okay. Okay. Um <laughs> but so after her proxy wedding, she's officially considered um, the dauphine of France. Um and so she's able to leave Austria under that title. Um some of her sisters when they'd been leaving um to get married, uh they had actually caused big scenes because they would have to be, like, forced into their carriages. Like, I told you, some of the sisters did not want to get married. And it, like, ruined their relationship with their mother. So some of them were forced against their will into that carriage. Um Another sister, I believe it was Carolina, the, her favorite sister, um, who was in the carriage and then, like, jumped out to give her a final hug. And so that would just kind of, like... It was just, like, nice if you just put them in the carriage and then you were done. Um, But they also... You know, the idea was that they probably wouldn't be home often, if ever.
1: And you never see maybe a sibling again either. Yeah, a
0: sibling or mother or anything like that.
1: Well, it seems like seeing the mother again is probably not the best idea. Well, some of them were still anyway. sad about it.
0: Some of, them were, some of them were young enough that it was still sad, even if they're, like, traumatized later on by what happened. They may have not processed it all yet. Um, but so when she uh, leaves Austria, she, because obviously she's like, the last of the mayor jewel daughters to leave obviously two of them never leave um but she and her mother both apparently like were crying and hugging and stuff and uh when she gets in the carriage she stays in the carriage but she does keep turning back to look at her like final look of home and she would never see austria again which is sad that is sad when i left home i was like dang i'm gonna be seeing this in three months i <laughs> ah, still big sad about it
1: it was a moment. It's always a moment. Yeah,
0: no. um, and so, yeah, so she says goodbye, and then they carriage ride into France, which would be a long trip. And eventually, when they're crossing into France, they have to stop on a small island um, in the Rhine, which is the river that kind of separates, like, Germany and France. And there's this big elaborate ceremony, which seems very unnecessary, but basically the idea is they're in this island, or on this island, and... Um, it's seen as like neutral ground between the two areas okay and there they like built this nice little like mini kind of palacey thing it's like fancy house thing and she would enter in through what was considered the austrian side and then once she was there she would be undressed by her ladies um from all of her austrian clothing and then um she would be dressed up in new french clothing and it's at this point that she also has to say goodbye to all of her Austrian ladies because they can't come with her. Um,
1: That's kind of sad, too, then.
0: So, which is weird because... Because those are
1: probably her friends.
0: Yeah, it's weird because a lot of times when brides go places, they're allowed to bring their own women. But I don't know if it's like a French thing or what. She wasn't allowed to bring her Austrian ladies. <coughs> um, and she also wasn't allowed to bring her Austrian dog. Apparently, the dog is just too Austrian. They're like, no, no, this, this dog is definitely German. We need a French dog for this girl. We um, <laughs> need a doodle. Mm-hmm. And she was really sad about losing mops, her dog. Well, I um, can
1: imagine, you know. She's 12 years old. And
0: there's 14. No, she's 14 yes. now. Um, and there's a really good... So there's... Have you heard of the film, um, Marie Antoinette, that uh, Kirsten Dunst was in, like in the early 2000s? I think,
1: but I've never seen it. Never
0: seen it. There's. Um, I saw it a long time ago. But they actually do this scene really well because she's, like, you know, having to be changed and stuff. And then when they go to take the dog away, she's like, no!
1: Not mops. Not
0: mops. Um, <laughs> um, now, the the sad thing is, is that she doesn't get to keep the ladies. Um, and she does get new French ladies, but apparently she's, like, not that big on the French ladies because they are very into the etiquette, which she's not um, that interested in, which she's gonna have to be soon. Um, but... Luckily, the um, the Austrian ambassador to France he is able to like once they kind of leave he's able to be like alright but bring the dog back <laughs> so she does get the dog back oh
1: she gets Mops back
0: she gets Mops back oh thank
1: god I'm so happy for her
0: now it's the only thing she's allowed they're like this dog doesn't really matter what, what nationality the dog is <laughs> So they do, they do eventually bring that back to her. But none of the ladies are able to come. Um, so then once this all happens, then she has to exit through, like, the French doors. And now she's French. Um, and so then she's able to enter the country, like, for real. And when she does that, um, she sees, like, you know, like the people kind of watching her carriage go by and stuff. And um, people seem to be very receptive to her because she was kind of seen as the like figure of this peace between France and Austria and they've had long like enmity towards each other and so yeah. now that they're working together, she's kind of the face of that, so they're pretty excited about her. And at one point when she's like stopping along the way, um, there's like a ceremony that happens and they, they speak to her in German and she says to them like no, no, only speak to me in French. Like this is this is my new home. This is my language and stuff. And I think it's even cuter to them because she says it obviously in French, but like with a slight German accent, and so it's even more endearing that like it's imperfect, but she's clearly giving it a go, she's
1: giving it a try.
0: And they like that about her. Well,
1: that's good though. She's starting to win the people over. It's not the last. Hey let me have my moment
0: so and then the story ends she's a happy princess. yay such a good story
1: happily ever after
0: she lives a happy life and no one dies and except of natural causes otherwise she'd just, still be alive so
1: you know i'm sticking my fingers in my ears out
0: la, 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 la. there's nothing more <laughs> um so eventually she gets to meet her husband as well as the king of france louis the 15th and she kind of bows before the king and he really likes her he thinks she's kind of charming and like everyone else she's like sweet and cute and stuff um although it's weird because he did like have prostitutes and mistresses and stuff who were like her age even though he's like 60 or something so but he saw this one as a daughter he's like no this one's cute
1: this one i can't touch this one's grandsons um, I kind of wonder what the age of consent was. I guess there was no like, consent. Was um, it
0: depends. I don't know at this time, but I know in like closer, like the medieval period, it was usually twelve, which is yucky. Um, and so, um, her mother had actually written to Louis the Fifteenth, and she called him um, like my brother, because all monarchs were brothers, even though she was a woman. She was still brother. She was like, hey, bro. And then she said, basically, like, w- please watch out for Marie Antoinette. Obviously, she's a young girl, so, like, she, you know, just don't get mad. Basically, like, don't get mad at her if she acts like a young girl. <laughs> and it seems like Louis, like, Louis the Fifteenth, anyway, like, didn't really have a problem with her. It seems like he liked her.
1: Well, that's good.
0: Um, when she met Louis, the husband Louis, little baby, rotund Louis, um... He didn't really have any reaction to her. Um, he did embrace her, but it was mostly because that was, like, what formality said he had to do. But, like, he wasn't... He, he like, wrote about it in his diary, and it was literally, like, had to meet, like, the wife today. <laughs> had to meet the wife.
1: You would think that he would be happy if she was cute and nice and sweet and everything like that. you think he'd be happy. Sounds like she might have gotten the short uh, the short stick here. Yeah. You know, with little fat boy. Well... Sorry,
0: rotund boy. We're being PC here. It's rotund. Is it obese? (laughs) I don't think he was obese. That may be pushing it. I don't think he would have been... He was stocky. Yeah, he was big boned. That's what it is. But so they were officially, like, for reals married um, uh, in May of 1770 at Versailles. And they had a reception... But the fireworks had to be canceled due to a storm. And the cancellation of the fireworks seems like it was some kind of divine sign. I was just
1: going to say that's a sign.
0: Because um, it's a metaphor in the sense that when they had their bedding ceremony that night, everybody's like getting them in bed, like blessing the bed with like the holy water and stuff. And they're like, make France a baby. And then they go to bed, and the next morning, everybody's like, did you make France a baby? And they're like, yeah, there was no banging last night. No fireworks and no fireworks.
1: Why didn't they, why didn't they have they sex? Did not,
0: they didn't do it.
1: No consummation?
0: No, and that means the marriage isn't legal yet. The marriage is not legal until they have sex.
1: Couldn't get it up?
0: Well, okay, so that's the thing, is that they would continue to not have sex seven years
1: did they just hate each other
0: i don't think so that's the thing um so he actually he i think they grew to be like friends um i don't think he was sexually interested just like generally like he might have just been asexual
1: some people think
0: well okay he could have been gay in fairness i don't know that that's actually something that anyone i mean i don't know like i haven't looked into it if people think that he might have been gay so i don't know if there's reason to think it's possible some people throughout history have thought that he had like penis problems and that he like just couldn't
1: have sex because they didn't have the little blue pill, no purple the little purple pill back then i it was pink i don't know not i've that never it was either blue or purple anyway, i've never i've never seen one dysfunction is a thing and they did not have the pill to correct it
0: and according to all the commercials it is curable but only in the 21st century
1: that's a shame he's too young to have problems
0: well i mean eventually the thing is they like spoiler but eventually they will have children so if he had problems down there eventually they get solved <laughs> Um, in some way, maybe, maybe... he was just
1: a late bloomer.
0: Maybe he saw the right doctor. Maybe he was a late bloomer. I honestly just think he wasn't into maybe it. Maybe he
1: went to a witch doctor and she gave him some magic herbs. Yeah, maybe. Get him up. <laughs> Rise! <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe
1: um, Marie Antoinette got better.
0: Maybe she was a witch. Maybe. <laughs> Everyone's a witch in history if you're
1: a woman. <laughs> just saying, you know.
0: Um... But yeah, so they didn't actually have sex for seven years. So they're in, you know, the first days of the marriage, but it's gonna last a long time.
1: It's one hell of a dry spell.
0: <laughs> um, so she is now, like, officially, officially the Delphine. And at this point, she has to learn all about the court etiquette. So. Since the time of Louis XIV, the Sun King, who kind of built Versailles into what it was, um, the court had operated with very strict rules. Um, So everything was kind of prescribed. Um, So, you know, the way that the king woke up, somebody handed him his shirt. Somebody, like, held the bowl that he washed his hands in. Somebody would, like, put his socks on him, maybe, I don't know. Um, Somebody, like, helped him take a dump.
1: Kind of need (laughs) this. Can I give me some Somebody's?
0: And it sounds nice, but it's kind of weird because, like, there were people there, like, when you were using the toilet, there were people there watching you eat your breakfast, and it's like somebody had to hand you the napkin, and you couldn't just grab a napkin. But just
1: think of it if someone's watching you go to the bathroom, they can't laugh or make a joke or anything because you can off with their head. That's true. So, I mean.
0: But it just had this very strict etiquette rules and um so everything becomes a performance so getting up in the morning getting dressed everything is performative for the nobles but also just like in general and the problem is is that like louis the 14th did this as a way because louis the 14th came to the throne very young um and at the time that this happened there was a rebellion of the nobles against him and it was put down i mean he was a kid so he didn't do the putting down but it was put down And so when he gets older, he's like, I need a way to keep the nobles in check. And the best way to keep them in check was basically to keep them always fighting against each other. So who gets to hold the king's shirt to him might be more important than the person who, you know, wipes his butt. I don't know. Or maybe the opposite way. Maybe the the butt wiping is the most important because you're closest to the king. But either way, there's a rank of all the jobs, basically. And so you want the best jobs. So suddenly... You really want to be intimately personal with the king. And also, the closer you are, the more you have his ear. So you can be putting forth your own agenda. True. So it becomes a very weird, like, way of, like, LinkedIn networking. But with the king...
1: I would not want to wipe his ass.
0: Yeah. So um. it's kind of yucky. Um, and I, and I, I think it got harder and harder as the years went on. So when Louis XIV started it, like, it was his idea But now Louis XV is doing it, and like they, as the grandchildren and like young people in the court, especially that the court's aging now, they're stuck doing this all as well. And um, so she learns that like the different ranks of people have to be addressed with different names, but then also the names that they have, there's also sort of diminutives, and that's like for lack of a better word on my part, really. Um, So you might call the king Majesty, but If you were more important than that, you might get to call him Monsieur instead, which is very, very informal because obviously that's like just saying, hey, mister. Um, And so, and that went for the king, but that worked for pretty much everyone. So depending on how you knew people or like how important you were relative to how important they were, like there were a bunch of different ways to address people. And if you messed it up, it was like kind of, you were like ridiculed. Like, it wasn't a big deal in the sense that I don't think you'd die or anything, but the whole court would know about it. And when the whole court is gossiping about each other all the time, you didn't want to be the one on the outskirts. And she's already, you know, not French. um, So she's already um, kind of different from everyone else in that way. So she has to sort of attempt to fit in. So she also had to learn, so she had to learn these ways to address people. And then there were also different ways of like using your body language whenever you were meeting these different people. Um, So someone you might like do something with your hand or like tilt your head a certain way. Some people you might like almost look like you were gonna stand up and then decide not to. That's apparently an important movement you can make. And so there so were also. I would have thought that
1: would be like a form of rejection. Like, I was going to stand up for you, but never mind, you're not that cool. I'll sit back down.
0: <laughs> not today. Maybe next time.
1: Catch you next time.
0: Um, so she had to learn all these weird things, and I think that would be exhausting.
1: Yeah, I would think so too.
0: Um, and so during public meals, she actually hardly ate a lot of the time because there was so much scrutiny about, like, you know, which fork did you use and which, you know.
1: But in the same respect, her not eating probably produced scrutiny.
0: Yeah, like everything. Why isn't
1: she eating? doesn't yeah. she like our food?
0: Doesn't she like our food? Doesn't she know that you have to eat well to be a like a mother? Doesn't she want to give us heirs? Like it's just. Going constant back to
1: that. I wanted to ask the question. You said it was seven years before they had sex. Does that mean they technically weren't married? Since so you have to consummate the marriage. Yes. Okay. Yes, it
0: does. It's going to cause problems. Okay. Um. So, in kind of in in line with all of this, she wrote um, in 1770. Um, I put on my rouge and washed my hands in front of the whole world. So everything she did was performative.
1: I was think being watched by somebody.
0: I think in the morning she was actually able to get up and, like, have sort of, like, a private, like, actual waking up and, like, sitting around for a little bit. And then once that was done, then she had to have, like, the performative waking up and getting dressed and stuff. And that's even more annoying because you're like, how, like, do I really have to do all this twice? Oh, yeah, right. And it would take so long because, like, just the getting dressed process could take ages. Like, there was one, I was, when I was doing my research, there was an example where she, like, they'd take it of her clothing off from the night. Um, and, of course, taking off the clothing is just as ritualistic. So, she's standing there, like, naked or basically naked. And the person who is holding, like, the next piece of her clothing um, is going to, like, put it on. And she had to take her gloves off, I guess. And while that's happening, somebody more important walks into the room. So the job automatically goes to her. So then they hand off the thing. She goes, next girl goes to take her gloves off, has the thing ready to put her on, put on her. And then somebody else more important walked into the room. And so they keep having to do this. And girl's like, hello, I'm standing here naked and it's cold.
1: Yeah, and I would think that if you have any body image... Issues, issues, you're, you're standing just in showing front of off. all of these women naked,
0: yeah. And then I even like women that she knew were like liked particularly. And then it's like more and more women keep walking in the room. like, How many people do I have to be naked in front of before somebody gives me that like dress? Can
1: I just have the damn dress? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'll put it on myself,
0: yeah. It's just, I I, I know how to
1: insert my arms.
0: I would have really not been digging that life, um, yeah. And I
1: mean. If you don't... She doesn't speak fluent French either. They could just be sitting there slamming her and she'd never know. Yeah.
0: Well, that's what... Apparently, some of her ladies would, like, tell her wrong things. Like, like to like play jokes on her, basically. So, in all this etiquette where everything is so rigid, they would tell her to do the wrong thing. And they'd be like, haha, that was funny when you did that wrong she thing. She could get
1: him in trouble for doing that? No, I don't think so. I should have.
0: Um... And so, anyways, about four years into all of this, still no sexy times, um, the king dies of smallpox. And... um it's it around, doesn't it? So, yeah. So, because they were the next in line, because Louis's father had died, you know, like 10 years prior, um, they are now instantly king and queen. And she's not even 20 yet. Um, he would have been about 20. She's about 19. And she actually is never formally crowned um, because their marriage still is not consummated four years in. So they don't actually, you know, have a ceremony for her. But she is the queen for all intents and purposes. Um, But they technically still could have gotten rid of her her at this point, which is clearly an issue. And her mom is not happy. She's like, four years in and you're not
1: doing it. That is. I'm on mom's side on this one. Four years in and you haven't.
0: And mom is like... I had sixteen children. Like you can do it.
1: <laughs> but maybe it's not her fault if it's him. Yeah.
0: Well, that's. I think it is him.
1: So I mean, I don't you know, think hey.
0: she, I don't think she's turning him away. No matter how rotund this child was, I think she was prepared to be doing it. And
1: who knows? Maybe he's grown up and lost some of the baby fat.
0: And maybe she's into it. Like we don't know what her life was. She had no one else at this point.
1: And if they became friends and all that, maybe you know.
0: She's like, you know what? Take one for France. Woo! But,
1: uh. Give
0: to me, big boy. See? <laughs> um. Mom. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're still not doing it four years in, but they're now king and queen. Um, and now that they're reigning, she doesn't really have anything to do because she doesn't have children. And she loved children, by the way. Like, she was. She'd always loved children when she was in Austria, and she likes children. She's born
1: to have them.
0: And she has none of her own. So if she had kids, she would have something to do with her time. I mean, not that royal women actually spent, like, like they weren't slaves to their children's education by any means because they had people for that. But she would have at least had, you know, like tasks to get through throughout the day if you had kids. So she has nothing really on. And her husband ends up giving her some land um, that she can basically, like, renovate and throw parties at. So she starts throwing parties because she's like, I'm nothing better to do. Um and at this point they sort of start living like at least partially separate lives. Um she starts gambling and having fun. Um and there's no romantic love in their relationship, as we said. Um, but it does seem that Louis started started to care for her. They were friends, like I said, as far as we can tell. Um he wanted to give her things to make her happy since he couldn't give her the actual thing that would make her happy, which was babies. Um, so she was allowed to gamble although he did have to stop her from playing games that lost large sums of money (laughs) because apparently she was too good at losing money
1: she wasn't good at winning yeah
0: she was real good at being bad um she was also able to become a patron of music and art um so she spent a lot of time doing that and she also spends a lot of time and a lot of money expanding her wardrobe and like Obviously, France is sort of the fashion capital or one of the fashion capitals. Um, So it's important that she looks like, you know, the queen all the time. Because if everybody else looks better than her, then that's not great for like PR for the crown. Oh yeah, exactly. So she's she spending. The best. She's spending a lot on her wardrobe. The problem is, is that the people don't really love that she's spending all this money, because like there's kind of intermittent hard times during this. I mean, not quite yet. This is still a bit early for things to be really going wrong. Um, but sometimes you're like, dang, the queen is spending an awful lot of money.
1: Wonder if they anyone she gambled.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And, and they're like, wow, well, what if we had just one of those big jewels on the dress? I could feed my family for the rest of my life. Like, you're yeah. not that happy about it. Um, and her mom is uh, also over in Austria with her little, like, spyglass, just spying from a distance. She actually has spies, you know, because...
1: Once again, isn't she a witch? Her t- yeah. She's just <laughs> over her
0: cauldron, like, bubble, bubble. Um but, yeah, so she's got spies in the court, and so, so she's, she's kind of keeping an eye on her daughter, and she's like, well, this is not going so hot, because you are not officially queen, and until you guys do it, our treaty doesn't actually mean anything, and this treaty was pretty important four years ago when we tried to kick it off in the first place, so we're, you know, Ooh, we're ouch. real late by now. <laughs> um, so her mother is not best pleased. Um, and at that point, with her just becoming queen, um, but still no babies, I think I will stop for today. Um, but we're going to do the rest of Marie Antoinette's life in the next episode. Hopefully it is only an episode, because there's still a lot to cover. Um, but if you want to follow the show, you can hit me up at uh, on Twitter. It's at Happy History Pod. Instagram is at Happy Hour History Pod. Facebook is... Happy Hour History Podcast, and my email is happyhourhistorypod at gmail.com. You can let me know if you have any topics you'd like to learn about. Um, and you can also rate and review, especially if you are on Apple Podcasts. I don't actually know if any of the other ones do ratings and reviews, um, but if they do, uh, do it there as well because I would appreciate that. And uh, that's it. We will see you next time.